0: give you a little history of myself. I've grown up in church. Um, I was born way down south near the border of Mexico, Imperial Valley. I grew up there for six years, and then I moved up to Northern California in Galt, and then we were there for two years, and we've been now here in Placerville for 15 years, Mom? 16 years? Somewhere around there. We've been here at the church 15. We've been here at the church, for 14 years now? So I've grown up in this church, I've had people in this church right now in this building sown into my life, and um blessed beyond all measure. So things I want to talk about is being intentional. So there's two topics I really wanted to hit, and uh, I feel like these two topics tonight, God really wanted me to just kind of talk to them, I'm kind of not get real in depth with them. It's kind of a shorter message. I know it's spring break, right? All you guys have spring break, just like the kids. We all get spring break just like the kids that one week off. We don't have to work or anything. Everything shuts down for a week. I know that. Um, That was a a reality hit when I got out of high school. I'm like, man, nothing shuts down besides school? All right, cool. So, (laughs) but now I want to talk about these two topics. The first one is being intentional with our prayer and with our words. So I feel like these are very important Who can agree with me tonight? Words, prayer? Amen, amen. amen. Prayer is important because it's how we talk to our Father. We're able to talk to our Father that loves us, a Father that wants us, a Father that wants to hear from us, and a Father that is always there. I think that where a lot of people miss it is when it comes to prayer and spending that time with God. And this is, where I'm, this is where I was missing it also. I didn't really get to pray. I didn't really get prayer and how important it was until recently when I started going through these things in my life. I'm not saying that I never prayed, I did pray. I just, it wasn't made real, real to me until I really started going through these things. I never really understood what it meant to pray until these things happened. I know a lot of you're probably wondering what these things are. I'll get to it later on. I keep saying thing, thing. It's, it's a thing. I don't want to spoil it. Got to keep you guys on the edge of your for later. <laughs> and when this thing happened, I really learned what it what it meant to pray. So the first verse I want to look at is Philippians 4. Verse six through nine, you guys have your Bibles, turn there real quick. So Philippians four verse six through nine it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The first thing I wanted to talk about is says, let your request be made known to God. So when I was studying reading this, I'm like, let your request be made known. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've read it. which says he already knows he requests for you. Sam, sure enough, Matthew 6, 8. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask them. So I was like, He already knows our request before we ask him, why does he want us to, why? Why does it say, let our requests be made known? And it hit me, it says, there's power when we speak it. When we speak our requests, when we take time to acknowledge those things in our lives, there's power in that. We're spending that time to sit there and talk to God like, God, I have these requests I know you're going to answer them. When we come to Him in faith with our requests, we can come to Him trusting that our requests will be heard and answered. I put in here a side note. This is my brain. I'll start going, and I'll get on a complete different track. So I put it in here so I knew it's okay. I did it. So, <laughs> it says there are power in our words. In Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. We have power in our words. We can speak life and death over people, over situations in our lives. We can, we can speak those into existence. How many times do we go through? and I love it, Pastor said. When someone says, "Oh man, I am so sick," you just agree with them. Yeah, you're sick, right? Oh man, I'm today. Today's gonna just. I can't handle today. Today's just one of those days. You're right. Good luck. Right? I catch my. I used to catch my. Turn it down a little bit. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. You still good? Perfect. I ca- I used to catch myself saying that all the time. You know what, I'd wake up in the morning and be like, oh, it's going to be one of those days. And sure enough, it was one of those days. <laughs> Without fail, it was one of those days where you're like, when can it be over, <laughs> right? So, the next little bit I wanted to talk about is where it says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by, by prayer and supplication. So I honestly, I am not a dictionary, so I had no idea what supplication meant. So I had to go look it up, and it is the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. So basically, what it's saying is you need to pray. That's it. Just it right at that. Just kidding. It's not exactly. There's more in depth to it, but I'm getting through there. But um, when in in the definition it says something earnestly or humbly, humbly. I had no idea what earnestly meant either. Like I said, I'm not a dictionary. So, I looked it up and it says, with, sin- with, with sincere or earnest or intense conviction, or seriously. Intense conviction. Have you ever prayed or sought after God because of intense conviction? I asked, my, I asked myself this one time. If I was the person... That when somebody asked for prayer right there, you prayed with them, or you go, "Oh yeah, I will keep, I'll keep you in my prayers." I've had a, a lot of people come up to me at gym and be like, "No, I'm a Christian. I'm out there. I'm talking about them. And be like, can you can you pray for me?'" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, man. I'll keep you in my prayers. I know God's gonna do great things." And time will go by, and it just completely slips in my mind, <laughs> like I. Not good. I not good with names. So you tell me your name. I'll probably ask you again in five minutes. So, but I was not good with that. When someone would ask me, "Hey, can you pray for me?" I really did. I really wanted to pray with them. And yeah, I'll keep you in my prayers, man. I maybe five out of a hundred I actually did that because I'd remember. So I asked myself one day. I'm like, when people ask me to pray for them, am I going to hold off? or am I going to take action? Because as soon as we sit there, it says where two or more are gathered, he is there. He's in the midst. So if right there we said, we stopped our lives, or I stopped my life, just to pray with them and pray in agreement that these things would come to pass in their life, what big of a difference could that make for them and how small of a sacrifice for me? What happened if we were people of action. The next point I wanna hit is it says everything, Where is where it says everything. Where did it go? I lost my verse. It says everything in there. I'll just go back to it. I didn't put it in here disorganization. I love it. This is where I really changed how I see prayer and how I pray. In life, I was just praying for big things, the things that were affecting me directly and the things that I thought were important. The things that I cared about the most, not everything. My prayers were becoming more about me and the things that I wanted. Remember that story I was telling you guys about? I kept saying I don't want to surprise it. Well, surprise. Here it is. So, I know some of you guys may know, um, recently, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and when they caught it, it was kind of a blessing in disguise. My um, he, my dad was having chest problems, and uh, they took him to the ER. He ended up having blood clots in his lungs. So, that was tough, because he's in the ER for a couple of days, but when they were doing their scan of his lungs and everything, they kind of came down to his liver and just barely glanced his liver, and it had a spot on his liver. So that right there is a miracle, because they were just supposed to be getting his lungs, and by chance they got his liver. And so they went, well, they marked it down, okay, you got a spot on your liver, so we'll check that out later. So as soon as he was done with his blood clots, he finally got over all the blood clots in his lungs, he was healed and everything. They wanted to check out what was on his liver. And as they were checking out what was on his liver, they uh, ended up finding out we, he has liver cancer and he has colon cancer. And when they were able to go through it and they did all their tests and everything, they found out it was, um, it was stage 4 cancer and it was metastasizing, which means it was starting to move out throughout his body. We were able to, they were able to catch it in time. But he's still battling and going through these hard times. But that was a hard time for me. Because it's like all of a sudden, all these things just kept happening in my life. It's like I just kept hitting wall after wall. And there's some other things, but I didn't really want to get into those that kept happening. But I'd read that verse, Philippians 4, a couple of days before my dad had his first chemo treatment. Oh, man. I'm trying not to tear up. And uh, when I walked into the place we were getting his, where he was getting his treatment, I saw him, so many other people going through the same thing he was. They were sitting in their chairs and they all had their IVs in, they were getting pumped full of chemicals to destroy the thing that would kill them. And it was hard for me because I saw so many people that were uncertain of their future. They didn't know whether they were going to live or whether they were going to die. I don't know. They've, when it comes down to chemo, you don't know whether it's going to be successful or it's just going to maybe slow it down. It can completely wipe it out or it could just slow down the process. The next couple of days, those people just kept playing around and just keep coming back in my mind and in my head. And This is where everything in this verse came into my life and changed it. I got hit with that intense conviction of, are you so focused on what you're doing here and what you're doing in your life that you forget about the people that Jesus is out there reaching? Are you so focused on what's happening in Eli's life and all how hard all these things are and it's tough, my dad and chemo, but there's people that are going through it even worse. There's some people out there that just, my dad's chemo is working and so he's, It's coming basically almost to nothing at this point, and so we may not even have to have surgery. There's some people that just may slow it down, and it's just slow down the process to give them a couple more months. How many of those people need God's healing touch? One of the most powerful statements I've ever heard about prayer. says, if God were to answer all your prayers from yesterday, today, at this very minute, would it change just you or the world around you? Would it change just you and your situation or all the situations that are going on around you? Would everyone in your life change because you were not just praying for yourself, but you're praying for them? The situations of this world, would they change or would just you? I don't know about you guys, but I see the world around us. I don't know about you guys, but I want to see the world around us change. I want to see people come to Christ. I want to see people Come to the Lord and experience the same love that I have. I want, to, I want to see people meet the healing Father. I want to see people come to peace with their situations because they met the Father and they know what's happening. They know their future because they have a future in Him, that is eternal life. The next thing I want to talk about is being intentional with people. How many people in here are sociable? I want to be like you guys. So I am not sociable at all. I have a hard time getting in front of people. In high school, oh, my mouth's dry. In high school, I hated getting in front of people because I would shake so bad my paper would make noise. I'm like, and at that point, it was the loudest thing in the classroom. And I'm like, oh, everyone, it sounds like a, sounds like someone has a fan on me, and I'm standing up there all by myself, just shaking and stuttering and you can hear my voice I'm like so uncertain and it was always like that. I'm still kind of like that I, well, kind of I am like that but <laughs> I'm definitely not a people person but I have to push myself out there to be able to talk with people and be a people person what came when, where I had to start pushing myself is when I feel like God is calling me to be a pastor I'm like huh? can't I just be a pastor and not talk Like, wouldn't that just be fantastic? And he's like, well, sorry, my man. (laughs) There's power in your words. So, (laughs) um, story, I really see this being intentional with people. And what's funny is, me and Sean had never talked about what he was talking about on Sunday. Like, we never talked about, we see each other all the time, but we never talked about what he was preaching about on Sunday. And so I was like, okay. So when he preached this and was talking about this story, I was like, God, you're pretty cool. Because that means we're reading it at the same time, and like, God, you just like just to see people, the body of God, work and never talk with each other about it. And see how in line and how there's no explainable way than the Holy Spirit and what he's preaching in that and just teaching and showing us. Because we used the same exact story, and we both got completely different things from it. So, but it's story of Bathsheba, the pool. Sean explained it on Sunday, but I'll reread it. Refresh your memories. Who's here Sunday? Amen, amen. So you guys basically know the story. So I'll just refresh you. So it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there's a Dr- now there is a there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew the Shebeth. The Shebeth. The Sheba. I don't know how to say it. The Sheba. The Shebeth. The Shida. I don't know. But <laughs> having five porches, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, awaiting the move of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, said, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another one steps in before, him, steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise up, take your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. The first thing I wanted to talk about is the fact that this pool is by the sheep gate. When I read it, I thought it was funny that the pool is by the sheep gate because Jesus said he'd leave the 99 to reach the 1. It's by the sheep gate. I don't know if there's a parallel there, but I thought it was pretty cool. Um, now there's a lesson in that alone, that Jesus went there where the sheep, or people were. He went there, he met, he went there, met them at their need. We as a body of Christ need to go to the people and reach them when we have to be, we have to be that light, we have to be the hands and feet of Christ. Christ could have kept walking after you'd seen this person. This man's life would have never been changed. He would have been sitting there for who knows how long till he was finally able to get into the pool or until he finally passed away. How many people do we know like this in verse 3? It says, In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, awaiting for the move of the water. We all know people like this. Maybe they're not physically blind, maybe they're spiritually blind. Maybe they're not physically paralyzed, but maybe they're spiritually paralyzed. Maybe they're not physically lame, but spiritually lame. And they're just waiting for that stirring. If Jesus was never intentional with the man that lived with this infirm- infirmity for 38 years, then this man would have never been healed. We have to be like that with people. We have to come in, that we come in contact with on a daily basis. We have to be intentional with them. The next point I wanted to address in this conversation, it says, Jesus comes up to him and says, do you want to be made well? And he responds, and his response is, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Then Jesus responds with, rise, take up your bed and walk. First of all, this is doing in my notes, but it says, his response is, take up your bed and walk. How many times do we, when people respond with something like that, do we disagree with them? Walk up someone, hey, you want to be healed? Yeah. But I have no one to put me in, and when I'm going, someone always gets there before me. I'm never, never able to do it. And instead of saying, you know what, you're right, he instantly speaks to the problem and says, rise and walk. He doesn't sit there and dabble with, what, with what, is, what he's dealing with. God never dabbles with what we're going on. He already has a blessing and a miracle set in place. When my dad came with cancer, it came to my realization God already had a plan set in place. God already had something. God already had a healing coming already. He already set everything up. I just had to speak it. I just had to speak healing into it. This guy's response is what was troubling me because he instantly responds with everything that's keeping him from being healed. He talks about not having anybody there and not having anyone that'll help him. Then he says, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. When I read this, I see a man that is crying out for help and nobody has ever helped him. And Jesus came along and changed his life. This man had no idea who he was. Like, Just look at his response. He says, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool. Like, this is Jesus. Like, he could tell the angel to stop coming. Right? mm. How many times do we keep God on our level? Instead of saying, you know what, God? You are the God of miracles. We're sitting by the pool, we're waiting and he comes up and says do you want to be healed y'all but i have all these things in my life there's no way that you can heal my dad of cancer there's no way that you can help all these people around me there's no way that you could help change me we keep god in our in our in our worldly view we don't we don't keep god on what the way he sees it cuz instead of saying that he just says walk rise up and walk It's like it's nothing for him. Instead, we make everything so complicated. God uses one, two, three, four, five, six, seven words, or Jesus uses seven words to change a man's life. What if we were intentional with people like Jesus? So, yesterday, I was sitting there and I'm like, at the gym, like I said, it was one of those days. And uh, I totally, to be 100% honest, I totally did not even feel I was ready for this message. And I was asking God, I'm like, God, am I even. I'm a shy person, like I said, don't like people. I'm going to have to edit that out. I can't say I don't like people. That later on is going to get me. Um, <laughs> but. It was like one of those days, and I was just like, God, am I even intentional with people? Am I even doing this? Am I even, I'm trying my hardest. Am I even being successful? And no joke, probably 10 minutes later, this guy comes up to me at the gym. It's just been one of those days, as soon as I got there, there there's 40 people there, and it was just, okay. This guy comes up, and he goes, hey, how many days a week are you here? I'm like, oh, great. Like, I probably took a bill, and it came out wrong or something, and now I'm going to be in trouble, and I'm going to get told I'm in horrible at my job. So I'm like, great. I'm like, well, I'm here every day, but my, but Sundays I'm at church, and Tuesdays I'm at church. He goes, oh, okay. And he goes, um, he goes remember when you are here during that fight? I'm like, oh, great. Like, that was like a year ago. I haven't seen this guy. I don't, I don't even know how long. I'm like, oh, great yeah, I was I was here. And he goes, uh, you know, when the guy came over and knocked him out, and it was just crazy. I'm like, yep. He goes, well, I just want to say good job. I'm like, how is that a good job? A guy got knocked out on my shift. <laughs> like, that's that's not good. <laughs> like, I almost had to call the cops. Like, it was not good. It was just not, not good. And he goes, um, he goes, the guy was from the other group home, and everything. I, I was like, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, congratulate you, because the one group home, guys, they got in a fight. Well, he, this guy worked with another group home, and he had brought them in, and they were kind of doing their thing, and um, he said, good job, because you never showed that you were mad, frustrated, or anything. He said, you went over, handled the situation, asked the guy to leave, escorted him, never raised your voice to him, and you never were t- intimidated of him. And he goes, so many people and so many of the guys that come in, they're either aggressive to them or they're intimidated by them. He goes, those group homeboys, he goes, when you, te- when you treat them with the respect that they've never had, he goes, it speaks something to him. He goes, my guys talked about you after that. He talked about how you never raised your voice, how you never got frustrated or you wanted to fight, how they knew you were in control. I was like, okay. I'm like, that's pretty cool because it's been one of those days. I'm like, all right, that's pretty cool. And as we're walking, we're sitting there talking. And he, goes, he goes, you're a believer, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I could tell. That you ever tell me you went to church that you were. I looked at him, he goes, every time our guys come in, whatever you're doing, you stop it and you have a conversation with them. You talk with them, you ask them how they're doing, you ask them how their day's going. And I did that with him, not even thinking anything about it. And he goes, to have a steady male role model in their lives, none of these kids have. Because These kids are on their last chance. They make one mistake, they're going to Juvie for a couple of years. And he goes, to have someone like that that treats them, no matter what their past look like or anything, he goes, it's awesome. He goes, I just want to encourage you. Good job. And that's when I walked away and I was like, thanks, man. He goes, what church do you go to? And I told him, he goes, all right, he goes, I'll have to come check it out. And that's where it got me is those simple things, just asking how someone's day is and being consistent and being there for someone, just taking time out of your whatever you're doing just to talk with them. That's changing someone's life. I never looked at it that way. I have one more verse for you guys. It's 1 John 4, 20 through 22. Give you guys a second to get there. Just really killing time so I can drink some water. Someone want to read it, actually. You will? Perfect. Do you have a loud voice? I have a loud voice. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you were one of the personal people. As a, <laughs> I remember that now. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank you, thank you. That is just a powerful truth. Right there. That is conviction 101 right there. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not? That is so powerful. How can you love your brother whom you've seen or how can you love God whom you've not seen and love your brother and hate your brother that you have when I read this another verse actually one of my favorite John 15 13 says greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends what does laying your life down for someone mean to you how you know what I work in children's church. I love to popcorn on people. Actually, just raise your hand. Quiet hands, as we say in children's church. But that never works, ever works. Quiet hands. And they all blurt it out at once. <laughs> but anyways, um, what, does line, what does laying down your life for someone mean to you? Anybody? 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 Give them your time. Yeah? Give me of your time. Anybody else? Prioritizing them? Tony? Oof. Yeah. Do what you need to do for them. Be there for them. Being Jesus to them? Yeah. Even though when they're like being the devil to you. Amen. <laughs> Anybody else? Putting their knees before your own. Amen. That's so true. Laying down your life for someone doesn't mean just dying for someone. Anyone can go and die for someone. I don't think that's how I came out wrong. <laughs> but Jesus laid his down, laid down his life for us, the ultimate sacrifice for us. There's that is no light deed at all I'm so grateful for that but in our life sometimes when we do that we're like okay it says lay down your life for someone okay if I have a chance I'm gonna go die for them and that's where they get stuck out if I have a chance I'm gonna go die for them they never see it as like you guys said putting down being there for them loving them even though they are horrible to try and do that for giving up of your time being all these things for them. Being there for them, giving up of your time. I wrote down your time and your money, giving, up, giving that up for them. Your life consists of many things like time, and that's just one of the things. But what if you gave up all these things for somebody? You took the time to, you took the time to take them to the pool. Show them Jesus. Love, be a light to that person, and give up of yourself so that somebody else can hear the good news of Jesus. I know I've shared my testimony probably a hundred times in here. i am say one last time because I think it's perfect, but I grew up in the church, like I said, come here for 14 years and wanted nothing to do with God. The whole time I was in Middle school, elementary school, high school. I only came here because my parents forced me to. Right, Mom? Yeah. Amen. Yep, amen. I only came because my parents forced me to. I wanted nothing to do with God. My grandpa was a pastor for 40 years, and I saw what it was like for him, and I saw things that he went through and grew up seeing it. it. I wanted nothing to do with it. It's not, an, it's not an easy life. And so, after high school, I wanted to become not a pastor. Um, I wanted to become, I wanted to go in the military. I was really, I've grown up with guns, really good with guns. I like that structure. My dad was a cop, so he was very structure-oriented, very task-oriented. So I grew up with that. I was very, get it done. And so... Military sounded really good. I took the ASVAB. I did all those things. And um, after high school, I was just kind of hanging out during the summer. I was going to sign up after that. And uh, my best friend, my best friend since like third grade, since I first moved up here, um, his mom, she had cancer. and She was like my second mom. I, I went over there one time. I spent like two weeks at his house without talking to my family. spent He spent two weeks in my house, and we were just fishing, just being kids, right? And so um, that September of 2013, um, his mom passed away. She was like my second mom. And so that night, I went to work that day. That night I cried out to God and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. What I'm doing, I just keep hitting walls. I can't. I can't do this. There's no way I'm... I can't do this. I said, You know what, God? I'm just, one breaks my heart for what breaks yours. I went to sleep that night and he gave me a vision and he said, We're going up this elevator and we get to the top and all my family's around me and they're laughing and having a great time. And I'm bawling, crying my eyes out. And, uh, Get to the top. He goes, are you Eli? I'm like, yeah. He goes, all right, come with me. It's time for judgment. So I'm crying. I'm bawling my eyes out. And as I'm going, I hear my name called. I look around. I don't see anything. I'm all right. As I'm walking, I'm still crying. I hear my name called again. And I stop. And I look. It's my best friend being dragged to hell. I'm crying. And he goes, you never told me. He goes, you never told me. Never told me. And he's yelling this and screaming this at me, they're taking him away and I'm like oh. And so I go I go in this room, I fall on my face, and there's light and I can feel it and he goes, Eli I had so many things greater for you. And you chose not to follow me. Depart from me. And I woke up and I was crying and I was just a mess. I'm usually a mess, but this time it was worse. But I don't want to ever get to heaven and hear somebody tell me that I never told them about Jesus. If I could just reach one person, if I could just talk to one person give up some time or some money, give up something to reach one person, I would do it. Because I don't want to ever hear those words you never told me. Heard a story, I know pastors said it, it's one of my favorite stories, about a boy He's on a beach and there's millions of starfish all over the beach. All down the beach, millions of them, millions of them, millions of them. Boys out there grabbing them, throwing them back in. Throwing one at a time back in. Boom, boom, boom. Old man's watching them and goes. Digging this silly boy. There's millions of starfish, you're never going to be able to get them all in the ocean. And they're all just gonna perish. So man walks down, goes and talks to the boy, he says, You know you're never gonna be able to get all these starfish in, so why would you do it? It doesn't matter. Boy picks up a starfish, throws it in, and he goes, It mattered to that one. What you do can matter to somebody. In closing, can I just encourage you tonight to get out of your comfort zone? And being intentional with your prayers and with people. You know what? Here. Brought these up. Preston, can I have you help me real quick? I want to challenge every single one in this room to give a friend, a family member, whoever it is, one of these cards and invite them to Easter. Hmm? I can do it. I'll walk around. I'd be a servant to everyone, right? There you go. Thank you. There you go, Rick. Probably should go down the other side. Oh, well. Amen. <laughs> hey, invite one person to church. If we all invite one person, this room would double. If everyone in the church invited one person, there wouldn't be enough room in here. Legitimately, there would not be enough room in here if we all invited just one person. So tonight, I know it's a super short message, but I just want to close in prayer. So everyone close their eyes and bow their head. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the things you've given us in our life, God. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us. Thank you for giving up of yourself so we could have life. God, I thank you for all these people in here tonight, and I thank you for the great things that that you're doing in their lives, God. Tonight I just pray a blessing over them. I pray for, if anyone needs healing, I pray that healing over them. I pray an agreement for salvation if it's someone they're praying for in their life, God. I pray for, pray for them. I just pray that blessing, God. But tonight, God, I also pray that you're changing, you're doing a movement in your people, God, to be intentional, God, to be intentional with their time with you to build that relationship, Lord. I pray that they're intentional with people, and this week, God, they you give them opportunities to preach the word, God, to show people your love, Lord, to just bring people to you, God. I pray that we have a blessed week pray. I see everyone here on Easter. In Jesus' name, I once said, amen, amen. amen. Well.